Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cana Rinse Podcast, Volume 4, Issue 193. You can play along with us, the Cana Rinse Podcast. You play the games, we talk about them. You've completed them, we spoil them. That's how it goes. And next up, we have Thomas Was Alone. Following uh, that, we have Comic Zone on the Mega Drive or the Genesis. Then it's Threes. You don't really have to finish that one, you just have to play it some. After that, we conclude our current run of Halo podcasts with Halo 4. And then it is Oddworld Abe's Odyssey and the new and tasty version as well, of course. Canarince.com, that's our website where you can find the full schedule, at least up until the end of Volume 4 anyway. That's uh, not so far away now, Issue 200. Uh, We also have a blog and we have a friendly forum and a Facebook page and a YouTube channel. You can also check out our shop where you can support us uh, financially and in terms of being becoming walking adverts for our brand, our livery uh, with cool cane rinse t-shirts and over-the-shoulder bags. Please also remember to check out our video games music podcast, Sound of Play. There's uh, almost almost 25 of those now, probably 24 in fact. Please remember to review, rate, and most importantly, subscribe to both of our podcasts on iTunes or wherever else. But please download them all, even if there's some you don't listen to. Now joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, Joshua Garrity. Hello there. Carl Moon. Hey, guys. And Tony Atkins. Hello. Hello, everybody. Halo Reach. We've reached this far. (laughs) <laughs> this is your spoiler alert for Halo Reach. It's a prequel, but it still has uh, uh, spoilable elements of the story, I would say. If you've not played it before, it's uh, it's pretty much five years old at this point. Um, it's not part of the Master Chief Collection, as, uh, as we've previously mentioned. Um, but it was given away by Microsoft to all Gold subscribers uh, recently on Xbox 360. So if you've been a Gold subscriber the whole time and you remember to download things, I mean, some people seem incredibly blasé about all the free games that you get given these days. Um, but Games with Gold is now giving away three or four games a month, um, some on 360, some on Xbox One, and Halo Reach was one of those a few months back. So, uh, for instance, I'd bought it back at the time, sold my disc at some point, and now I own it again, and it will live on my 360 hard drive for as long as that machine lives. Uh, so there you have it the developer of course was uh, mostly Bungie their their final uh, Halo showing um, but 343 Industries who evolved out of Bungie and, and took over the, the mantle um, had, uh, had, a, had a hand in it especially as regards to servers and one of the map packs and a certain affinity uh, who we've dealt with before uh, in some other show I can't remember which but they often pop up as a sort of uh, a sub-developer for certain elements, they worked on the Defiant map. would have been the Halo 2 podcast for the uh, anniversary edition. Okay, yes. Yeah, of course they did that. And uh, I think they may have come up on some other... Did they work on maybe Bioshock 2's multiplayer or something like that as well? Yeah, that sounds right. Obviously, it's Microsoft. Uh, The director and art director was one and the same, Marcus Leto. Uh, And there were a lot of writers. The composers, O'Donnell and Salvatore, returned. And as we said, Xbox 360 only, nice and simple, came out in September 2010. So, yes, pretty much exactly five years ago at this point. Uh, The reviews were strong. The game rankings mean average of all the reviews, 71 of them, is uh, just under under 92 percent is very healthy and i think the game uh the game sold about uh seven million copies in north america and a couple of million in europe and 
about 80,000 copies in Japan. But uh, the total is just under 10 million, which I think was significantly up from ODST, um, mm-hmm. but less than Halo 3, I would imagine, um, because the hype wasn't wasn't just quite there so much. But speaking of hype, let's, uh, let's go through our histories um, with the game. And were we... Were we on the Halo Reach train from from the beginning? Josh, you were you were in your late teens, a very excitable and hormonal chap, <laughs> uh, frothing at, at, at all corners of the mouth for Halo Reach. Um, well, you you think? <laughs> um, I I mean I I played Halo Three and I I played ODST and I I managed to uh, play the beta um, for Halo Reach. I think it was with the. Uh, digital cowboys community actually um that we uh, ended up having a night with that um and yeah i i was interested in halo reach but as it turned out 2010 kind of turned into one of my personal favorite years in gaming mm, um, we started with like mass effect 2 and bayonetta and then we you know you started going in later into the year with Red Dead Redemption and and all these other it times, was a crazy yeah. crazy year and i was looking at halo reach thinking ah, is that going to be one for the chopping block is that just going to be one that i come to later um in the end i did end up um getting it on on day of release just because of the uh the multiplayer uh community i didn't want to miss out on the you know the big kind of community gathering of everyone coming together and playing it at the same time so that was kind of the uh that was that's what pushed me to get it day of uh but then uh as we'll go into um the the campaign really surprised me Mm. and did you how 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 much of the multiplayer and uh and firefight did you play this time around um less uh, far less than um halo 3 just because halo 3 caught me at a time where my free time and lack of existential crisis uh was mm. uh, at the perfect level uh but i did put a lot of time into this uh into the multiplayer here Carl, I'm going to guess, uh, well, or possibly I'm going to remember, uh, vaguely remember, you probably uh, shelled out for some statue of of Noble Six or something to go with your copy of Halo Reach. I don't, I don't know what the, I can't remember what the editions were, but... Well, but what us. do you think? Yeah, <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> uh, this this is actually where the fanboyism comes in, in, in full flow, because I bought the Legendary Edition, which was a, a store exclusive to game, which came with the statue of Noble Team. Noble Team, okay, the whole And lot. my history from game shows that they deliver games via courier on the day of release. Well, this wasn't good enough for me. So I left that order, and then I ordered another copy, just a vanilla copy, hmm. from another retailer in the hope that i might get it a day early uh (laughs) as it turns out i actually got it on the saturday and the game released worldwide on a tuesday so that was a pleasant surprise because it was completely unexpected it's from a retailer that that no one else i knew ordered from and are are long gone since a Mm. company called game gears and uh, they got it to me Saturday, and the abuse that I received via xbox messages from my friends list was uh one of my fondest memories (laughs) tony being one of them 
Yeah, um, but it wasn't so early that uh, Microsoft was sniffing around, no, uh, no. you know, trying to ban you or whatever. There yeah. weren't many people on multiplayer, but that I, tend, I jumped straight into the multiplayer because, as I mentioned on previous shows, I like to play through the campaigns with the same friend. He didn't get his copy, so I limited myself to the multiplayer. Um, and, yeah, it, there, there weren't many people online, unfortunately. I think it was predominantly reviewers and whatnot, but, mm. again, never struggled to play a game, but... Four days early, ordered two copies, a legendary edition and a normal edition, and then followed that up by buying the standard limited edition in between. Okay, uh, just remind us in, in relative brief detail, uh, so apart from your statue, what did you get with legendary and what did you get with the limited edition? The The main difference between the legendary edition was the statue. Uh, other than that, it was the limited edition. The limited edition came in a hexagonal, strange-shaped data module, uh, shipped oh, box and okay. came with a notebook featuring it was Dr. Halsey's notebook right. uh, filled with notes and in terms of collector's editions that is the absolute creme de la creme of all the ones that I own and I own a lot um, the the quality and the time and the effort that went into that uh, book and that you got a patch and some um, plastic data sheets and stuff just all really um, belonged in that universe and uh, well crafted and and fantastic and yeah um definitely one of the best if not the best collector's edition my my personal favorite tony what about you how much did you shell out for halo reach just, just the one uh super duper edition no 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 more than that i'm afraid okay um but yeah the, the statue still sits it's sitting right above my head right now looking just just down below the cat helmet uh, looking down below me. Mm. Um, yeah, super excited. Uh, I was, as we talked about on the, the ODST show, I was a little underwhelmed by uh, ODST, um, but still very, very excited about a new Halo game coming out. Um, so yeah, I was, uh, brought the uh, brought the Super Duper Edition, came in a ridiculous size box, uh, and got down and, and played it straight away. I think Co-op Le- Legendary, as per usual, as all these games seem to have run for me, and uh, yeah, we'll talk about enjoyment factor soon yourself i have very little memory of actually buying this game uh it's not one where i can you know there are certain games from you know much longer ago where i can remember everything about the experience of buying the game and this one i guess it's you know it's in the modern era of me being you know i was in my late 30s by this point perhaps not quite so overexcited um i'd enjoyed the previous couple of halos but i'd never quite had the same uh, buzz about them as I had about the original Combat Evolved, um, you know, as, as fun as they were, and we've obviously talked about them on the podcast. And in fact, with Reach, I really didn't know what to make of it. I, I think, um, I remember there, there being a, like a teaser announcement at, at an E3 or something, and I didn't see it at the time because I never watched these things, but I remember, I remember the buzz after some reveal announcement and i think they just did they just show the the planet reach or something and then it just yeah, said it halo was the, reach it was the planet from space and it literally just said reach above yeah. it so and everyone was going well everyone a number of people were going mental about this and i had absolutely no idea what it meant what they were on about i didn't know what reach was it didn't it meant literally nothing to me I'd, i know there were mentions of reach in other halo games but it i was paying so little attention to the actual plot of those games that the sort of little mentions of things like that meant nothing so i kind of I, I didn't know what, whether this was like going to be another full-blown halo or whether it was another kind of guide end like odst was or or what so but 
as the time grew, I kind of got the sense that this was another major Halo release and, you know, the reviews were coming in strong and people got excited. So I'm pretty sure I did pick it up day one or very, very soon after. And I remember playing it um, through... I think I did play it through, for, pretty sure I played it through on Heroic first solo. Then I, pl- I remember playing a fair bit of um, multiplayer. I remember playing with you, Carl, and a few other people from the community. I was still with the Gamer Dork uh, podcast at that point, and I probably talked about Halo Reach on there, although I have n- no memory. And I remember a couple of sessions of Firefight, um, but my strongest memories are going back to the single player and deciding to do a legendary run-through because I'd really enjoyed my first playthrough. And uh, and I decided to do it on legendary, which is which is a good sign because it's the first time I'd really been properly motivated to do that since Combat Evolved, um, and it may be the only one I've actually done. Thinking about it, um, completely completed from from start to finish on solo legendary. So uh, so yeah, it certainly it, it got its hooks in, and uh, I haven't been able to I haven't had time to go back properly. I've been back briefly. Um, Obviously, it's only on 360, so there's no playing it with uh, with uh, higher resolution or frame rate. But um, going back recently, I was uh, pleasantly surprised by by how good it still looked, and the presentation is still uh, striking. The title, you know, just the splash screens and um, title screens and various various screens. Basically, there's a lot of nice art and um, little subtle touches of the graphics kind of moving about, and and you've got that soundtrack and everything. So, I wanted to talk a bit, ask you really about the the beta or beta um, because a couple of people mentioned it in the uh, in their correspondence to us um, saying that we should we should talk about it I have no memory of there being a Halo Reach beta I don't know if I took any part in it I suspect I didn't I don't remember it being a big thing like again we talked about it with Crackdown having you know being your key your passport to to the Halo 3 beta so was there was there was this simply a download it or was it a what what system did they run to get on this beta or was it just anyone can have a go i believe it was people who bought um odst were granted access to this beta Ah, uh i think you had a code in the in the game box so um okay um yeah i think a lot of people kept kept their copies of odst just because of that well i I, i'm actually a bit uh, confused here was it actually a code or was it on the disc itself Uh, yeah i i think that's because i remember keeping the odst game just because i knew at some point it's like a menu option that unlocked yeah when 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 the beta went live okay yeah i think maybe i didn't have odst anymore by that Um, stage so maybe this this is going back now because i it's very vague in my mind the the beta and and it's i've said it before on the podcast if it's a game i know i desperately want i tend to avoid them yeah because uh, I, i like that full experience the full wow factor when i when i finally get it i you know i avoid all media the whole lot but it would have been if it was on the disc it odst came with the uh, halo 3 multiplayer disc um, yeah yes so it would have been playable through that i would have assumed mm. um mm. i've not done any research and like i say my memory is quite vague when it comes mm. to, when it comes to the beta whereas my memories very strong when it comes to the main release well that's fine um and also we we have been talking a little bit about this with the halo series because i know for for some people it really is part of it we tend to prefer to mainly focus on the games themselves but uh with halo the the sort of the the build-up to launch has been such uh such an event now i as somebody who's slightly on the periphery somebody who buys and plays all the halo games but isn't invested in the same way that uh, say someone like carl is 
I was I, I felt like my perception was that the build up to this wasn't as big for the you know the kind of the person like me as Halo 3 was and it felt like the build up to this was more aimed at the kind of hardcore Halo fans yeah. now obviously it ended up selling 10 million copies but for those of us who didn't know what e what Reach even was or that the game was going to be a prequel it it was all a bit mysterious but I assume did we have the usual sort of TV campaign and yeah it had it had a fantastic run of adverts with the uh, the Marines going in for Spartan training and and um, getting the injections and and whatnot mm. on British television it wasn't as strong as the three and ODST ones okay um, yeah. but it, it was it's still a very very strong advert campaign but the, the people were drawn towards Reach it's Reach was I believe mentioned in the second line of the original Halo game and yeah. it's referenced several times you see it spray painted on the walls in ODST and the fall of Reach is probably the most important story in in, in the whole past of the Halo franchise um in in terms of its stories yeah. Because that that's the core of where everything starts. So that that's why people who were really deeply into Halo were so excited to be able to see yeah, of from the beginning. To, to answer the question about you know for the general public and an advertising campaign, I, I I've always felt this, and I still do. I think Reach had a somewhat of an identity crisis amongst Microsoft as as well as the general populace. Um, it was hard. I, I could see what they were trying to do. They were trying to say, look, you know, the Halo story is bigger than the one man, the Master Chief. But then that's actually very hard to to put in, you know, as a visual term because the Master Chief is, you know, pretty synonymous with the platform. He's a very recognisable character by this he stage. He was Xbox, wasn't he? Yeah, it, you could you could even argue that he was Xbox, and I think um, they they knew what by this stage what to do with the marketing of a Halo game. I think they they struggled to to sell this as a big, big budget Halo game outside of the core franchise when they saw it very much as a core franchise, or at least Bungie saw it very much as a core franchise, and it had a lot of time, a lot of money, and is a fantastic game. Um, but and this, this kind of proved out, actually, when Halo 4 you know, launch was was to come up, and they got hold of you know being able to use um, the Master Chief again, and I'd, you know, very much they knew what they could do with him. And I, you know, it is, I think, somewhat of an identity crisis across the board, what Reach is, who's it for, and clearly the hardcore knew exactly what this product was, but I, I do think that it was maybe lost in translation, you know, was the Master Chief mm. in this, wasn't he in this, why, if he mm. wasn't in, it was all obvious, of course, if you played through with the series, but yeah. for a lot of people, when you're just looking at an image, it's like, well, who are these guys, is this just another spin-off, etc. It's a discussion we've mentioned before as well, that the, the risk you run in a games franchise when mm. you drop the number... Um, and add a subtitle. Yeah. Um, you know, we saw it with the Forza series. It goes into Horizon. It sells considerably less figures. And then there are many more throughout history where a subtitle. I mean, ODST was Halo Three ODST. You know, is it an add-on? Is it that kind of thing? Um, and, and with Reach, I have a lot of friends that are very interested in in gaming, but weren't massive Halo fans, and they were calling it Halo Breach. Um, and stuff mm. like and eventually yeah, I, yeah, yeah it, it seemed to sort of it came around in the end because no one tends to put advertising campaigns together like Microsoft um, they, they go to town and they really threw money at, at, at it in the end and, and it was back of magazines billboards London Underground television um, it, it was sort of one of those full works campaign and in the end you sort of had the, the, the reach name and the, and the Halo brand uh, thrust upon you which was great for me as a huge fan of, of yeah. halo 
I wonder if um, for those of us who uh, were in that sort of, you know, I don't even know what reaches camp, maybe they should have gone with the sort of video game accepted standard that, that popularized by Japanese developers and called it Halo Zero. And, <laughs> um, and then we would have known that it was the one that came before the first Halo and it would have given it credence as a numbered sequel, but without making it the confusing Halo 4 because it it's set before i don't know just a thought i think another crisis the the marketers had with this game is unlike every other halo game you're you're playing the losing side Mm. and i think it's very hard to market a game where you're not the hero coming to save the day this is a tragedy this is like everything unraveling under your feet and and all your friends dying and and you're going to lose at the end of the day and how do you sell that uh how do you sell that to a fan base who have been sold kind of these power fantasies you know hero worship games um for you know the past you know four well past free games and um and and then for it to suddenly change its focus and and change kind of the tone how do you how do you market that and i, I totally understand why yeah. the marketing was so confused and and kind of um and almost selling a very different game i i remember a lot of the trailers feeling like they were selling a master you know a master chief kind of yeah. hero worship type game when actually that that that's not the case like it's here. got spartans on the front cover i know it's yeah. not master chief but look spartans you yeah like yeah exactly yeah. yeah it's a it's a tough sell and it's the kind of thing where the mainstream gamer is going to really love you know as josh said the power fantasy and then if they could have advertised it as something where everyone's aware that they're on the losing battle and they're going through it, that's the kind of story that would appeal to other people like like myself and the rest of us, I'm sure, were probably more intrigued in something like that than just another bang-bang blaster shoot, you kill everything, win, you know, rescue the day sort of experience that we've seen before. Um, and, you know... A, like you said, dropping the number and not having it zero. I think the numbers are specifically reserved for games with Master Chief in or some strange Stupid decision conventions. like that. Yeah, yeah um, sort of that Halo formula, but stepping away from what it was. Bungie were getting braver about what they were trying to do. Um, yeah, it's a whole bunch of things come together. And, and Reach is obviously sort of a, a different experience and a, a different passage, but advertising that and pushing that was a little bit tricky at first and as you said leon um you know you're hugely up on your games and you play a whole experience and you see something that just says reach and you're like i don't know what that is that that's sort of an issue just a word i just just, yeah it's oh it's a planet oh okay um yeah and i i honestly didn't know it was a prequel until very very late but when I found out that I was going to be playing as uh, different Spartans or a different Spartan at least, Spartan was three one two. Yeah, Noble Six. That's right, isn't it? Um, yeah. I, well, I was pleased um, because not because I had anything against Master Chief, but because I, I wasn't as you know deeply attached as as a lot of the the biggest Halo fans. So it it seemed that it might be something interesting. And when I became more aware that this story was going to end on a downer. I thought that's something that I could, I could get behind. Um, I mean, prequels, uh, obviously, you know, in, in other uh, areas of literature and film are, are, you know, they can be beautifully done and they can be terribly done when, you know, when you know essentially who's going to live and die and, and how they're going to play out. 
you can still be engaged if the story's well told and uh, and whatever, and the characters are strong while they're there, even if you know some of them are going to live and some of them are going to die. Um, so I don't think it. Yeah, it definitely doesn't have to be a. You know, it doesn't doesn't mean the death knell. It doesn't mean no surprises. It doesn't mean this is a you know this is a waste of time. This has already happened. I mean, it's you know it's all it's all fiction at the end of the day, and it's all part of the same fiction. And but it does seem that it does it does make sense that Halo fans who had been immersed who had immersed themselves in the backstory and read read the novels and the graphic novels and whatever else and uh, and actually paid attention to what was going on in the game, unlike the likes of me and Darren Gargett, um, were excited just to see the events play out and and have some part in it, even if you know that ultimately it's your 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 mission is kind of doomed to failure but it, it is a leap of faith even on you know a player's part who's been playing through the series as i said i, I liked odst i didn't think it was amazing but I, I liked it but you know some people will agree or disagree i it did feel somewhat like it was kind of an, an add-on that was expanded and it was you know an extra fiction to the universe it's you know beautifully done in, uh, at times but it, it did feel like a you know extended fiction that you could take in or not I think Reach was always destined to be something bigger than that. The you know the, yeah. the money hat was on. There was a lot of stuff thrown at this. The full Bungie team, full development cycle, um, yeah. and being quite nervous around that because when you actually from the outset you start talking about you know what is Halo's or what is the future of Halo without the Chief, and I think for a lot of players that is actually you know scary is the wrong word but it's it's a weird prospect because he has been the, the central core of of that series um you spend a lot of time and effort and money with that series to so to see how they were going to bungie were going to take this and progress it beyond um you know we didn't know at that time that halo 4 was going to exist um and we knew also that if you were following this that this was you know bungie's last big um you know, attempt at, at telling a story with these, well, with a set of characters from this universe. And in some respect, it, it felt, you know, even as a player of, of many years of the franchise, that it was going to be interesting to see what Bungie were allowed to do when Microsoft, you know, essentially they told Microsoft they did not want to make Halo 4, but they would make them one more game. And that game would turn out to be Reach. Um, so you could even sense there was somewhat of a bit of an infighting going on within these two organizations, which, let's face it, Bungie made a lot of money from Microsoft, and Microsoft made a lot of money from Bungie. So it would seem it seemed weird from the outside of two squabbling kids uh, to see how this project was going to actually pan out. Let us not forget, your, uh, Microsoft already had 343 yeah. there, which everyone knew was going to be taking over that franchise eventually. Um, so... That you know, you you saw a noticeable split at that point from Bungie with certain employees, the likes of Bonnie Ross and all that, going straight over to three four three and continuing that franchise. There's nothing about this project to me that seemed to be cl- you know clean and clear cut mm. from the outside. It seemed to be very much well, Bungie wants you know want to make something, but you know they don't necessarily want to make another Halo game. But okay, they'll do it their own way, and and Reach turned out to be that. But you know Microsoft pushing the big numbers around, and yeah, well you know we we are setting up our own development studio and I'm oh I'm sure it all it's all harmonious but you actually hear it you know from people talking like it's it's been a bit of a messy split between everybody and Master Chief comes with its own restrictions as well that Master Master Chief story arc and and perhaps yeah we mentioned it on the ODST that it allowed them that freedom to come up with a new story uh, they they formulated the reach um story arc 
from the from the outset, you know, it, like I said, it's mentioned right at the very start of the very first Halo game, um, and the, perhaps the option for that was just to, to go with that storyline was just too great. Uh, so so they, they had a lot of freedom in how they could craft a, an entire game and keep the Halo name attached to it. So again, from my slightly fuzzy uh, non super fan non Halo super fan perspective, um, actually this the. the the story sets out in um, in such a way as uh, so you are part of you are playing a Spartan who is part of a team and uh, you pretty much uh, are there when the first Covenant strikes take place. Is that that's the simplest version I can think of? Uh, there's probably more politics and whatever and 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 uh, cod religion behind it than that, but that's mm. that's the uh, that's the, the the basic setup. And actually, we were talking about how um, some of the sort of relationships between the protagonists in ODST may have informed uh, the the way it plays out in in Halo Reach. Now, again, as somebody who isn't massively a fan of, of Bungie storytelling or Halo's uh, lore, I just I found uh not you know i didn't i didn't think it was awful it wasn't just cause to you know sort of script or anything like that i'm 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 not being yeah. i'm not going to be that mean about it but i wasn't even though a lot of people you know i've seen, i've already obviously i've read and edited some of the feedback for the show and a lot of people talk about the the sort of masterpiece of storytelling or whatever that this game is and for me it it's still just uh you know the scenario is a bunch of you know a ragtag but well not ragtag really uh, a bunch of harder hard ass badass mercenaries they happen to be uh you know cybernetic super soldiers in this case but it's this you know we've seen this we've seen this sort of situation a military bunch of people each with different attitudes and and histories coming together in 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 trying circumstances before and it was for me it was fine but again i'm interested for those of you who are more in josh's case more interested in game story Mm. than i am generally and you guys as big halo fans sort of why why this particular scenario and setting and these characters seem to be regarded so uh fondly by many i mean uh speaking as someone who's not a huge halo fan or hugely into the the narrative or the lore of the universe this was the first halo game where i really cared about the stakes and Mm. uh for me it was this kind of tonal shift from the Mm. previous games just knowing right from the off that this is a battle i'm gonna lose like they they tell you that you're gonna lose right from the beginning of the game because you see your helmet with you know smashed with the the visor smashed in the middle of like a a glassed wasteland and it's like right this is the end of the game now we're going to take you to the beginning and um knowing that all the way through kind of led kind of gave the the game a actual like a real sense of a thematic through line of like failure and and what have you and i'm not like this, i don't consider halo reach to be like one of the great bastions of you know storytelling in video games i think there are many games that have done you know covered like loss and and um mm. and uh, what have you to a greater extent and and i think you know the characters while i'm i'm certainly more attached to this cast than i have ever been to any of the cast members of the previous halo games um you know they're not amazingly written 
but just having a theme um, that it felt like the game was always going back to kind of led kind of lent the story a lot of strength that I felt wasn't really present in any of the other Halo games. Um, it like the the other Halo games just felt like you know. Star Wars prequel kind of like bombardment of um, exposition and and what have you. Whereas this, I I felt like there was a real attempt to dwell on the horrors of war. Um, mm. There's one there's one sequence in particular actually when you're trying to um, uh, evacuate a city, and all these uh, pilots are kind of telling you we've got to go, we've got to go, and everyone's going no, don't go yet. We haven't taken out their anti-air stuff. If you go now, you're gonna die. And and one of the pilots goes okay, I'm going now. And you see the ship, and they're like they're telling you like there's 600 people on board that ship, and then you mm. see it get shot and it crashes into the ocean and everyone on your team is like oh my god that's 600 people on our conscience on our conscience and um mm. that that was really effective and it was such it was so refreshing to have this kind of melancholic kind of mm. haunting tone whereas all the other ones have been kind of mm. 80s kind of you know you know american action movies um yeah, I, I was really compelled by just an attempt to be more meaningful. It's not the strongest example of storytelling in video games, but it it really felt like they were trying to do something here. I'd go along with all that. I yeah. think this the the main element of, of the Halo games isn't that each individual game has an incredible storyline because on their own they don't, as Josh said, but as a whole they are consistent uh, within each other, and and the story grows, and the, as the law grows, and the whole, the franchise shows that throughout. And Halo Reach fills in gaps, and you get plot points that head into Halo One and Halo Two, and um, and the points that happened in those games become more meaningful because of what you've then experienced in Reach. If you go back to it, which a lot of us have due to the Master Chief Collection, um, Reach of the Ball is the strongest storytelling of the Bungie Halo series. Um, and it, it's a point that I'll make now and keep growing on uh, because the main word that comes to mind for me when I talk about Halo Reach is scale. Um, and the scale of the story in, in in particular, it tells the story of six characters. You get the references to uh, Catherine Halsey, Dr. Catherine Halsey, uh, behind the Spartan program. You know, you meet her for the first time and that, and that is so important to the core storyline of all the Halo games. Um, and it, it's just, if you invest some time in learning little bits of lore, then Reach opens up even more because that's where you start to really learn the intricacies of it all. I, I agree with what you're saying, but I think Reach stands alone in a way that none of the other Halo games oh, do. Oh, I agree. And um, you, you're talking about scale. I think this game actually benefits from... It sounds ridiculous to say the world ends and that's a reduced uh, stakes for a video game. But, you know, the stakes are so huge at the end of Halo 3. Like, you're talking about the universe. Like, the the universe could end if the Flood take over. Whereas having it just be this one planet and 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 making it much more intimate. And, and for a Halo game, one planet is intimate. Um and, yeah. and having it focus so much on this core group of characters, but also just you know knowing that 
you're not going to win. You you're not going to succeed. Um, it makes all the actions uh, that the characters take feel more meaningful. Um, like the the moment that really actually sticks out with me. Um, even though I like, I don't like, I don't particularly think George is a great character, but like the moment where he sacrifices himself. Um, to destroy that larger ship, he sacrifices himself, thinking he's so save the uh, save Reach, and ultimately he's taken one ship down out of ten. Yeah, yeah, and he, and he thinks he saved everyone, and he hasn't. Like it, the the he's planet's still doomed. Yeah. It's it's such a, a effective uh, moment. I like one more than that. I I think probably why it's the one that's you know maybe revered the most out of them. I think it's just a grown up version's tale of Halo. Um, you know, I've I've grown up with Halo and. It's a space opera, but it's, you know, it's, I'll, I'll put it in a parentheses, it's a kid's game. In that I mean, it's fun, it's cheerful, it's colourful, you know, the story is kind of jokey, it's light-hearted. Sure, there's space opera stuff in there, but, you know, you can take it seriously or you can take it as this, this background play that actually the action is the stuff that tells you the story. And I think with Reach, this is Bungie saying, look, you know, we, we've done that, now this is for us to show the muscles as a development house. And I think they took the story. They looked what was happening around in the industry at the time. I mean, everybody amongst the industry was growing up together. And I think they they looked at it and said, look, we want to make a serious tale of Halo. And, you know, you could argue whether they achieved that or not. But for me, it feels very much that they looked at, you know, popular trends. The game, in many respects, feels more Call of Duty-fied than it ever had done. Um, and it feels like they try to to capture some of that crowd, you know, some of the slightly more older um, adult crowd, and I think they achieve it. The the, the story is somber in ways that Halo has never been, and even when yeah. Halo tried to be that, it came off more comical. So people die, and people don't. I mean, they die in Halo, but it's each death's kind of a comical scene. They don't get shot in the back of the head and you know blood all over people's armor. It's it takes it to another level now. Interestingly, you know, I'm not sure which one I prefer. Um, I'm glad they both exist, and I think they have merits in both camps. But, um, you know, when I'm playing Reach, I'm, I'm not sitting there going, oh, this is so much fun. I'm sitting there going, it's really interesting that they managed to, you know, create a story inside a franchise which was never really particularly good at telling an adult story and managed to craft something with these bunch of characters that leads you into the starter Halo. And, you know, if, you, if you've been following Halo and you, right at the very end where they reference, you know, this is the ship, Pillar of Autumn, that has the weapon and that is the Master Chief and all must be done because he may well be um, the saviour of the galaxy. And, you know, you've played that story. You know how that is. And you can almost see like, okay, yeah, well, you know, he was the weapon. That's, this is why he's all powerful. But we are just, you know, Spartans which are vulnerable. We, they all fall between the start of that game and the end of that game. And for me, I just think it's a more powerful message that you aren't, you know, uh, an unstoppable force. You are a yeah. collective of people that managed to essentially create that unstoppable force. Because if you had died between you know, delivering Cortana to uh, the Pillar of Autumn and the Pillar or, and didn't get on that Mac gun at the end and kill all the ships coming on and the Pillar of Autumn didn't escape, then you had that essential feeling that maybe none of those Halo games would have existed. Of course they would have, yeah. but there's yeah. some weight to, to a storyline rather than just, hey, this is fun. 
I just want to go back to a point that you made, Tony, about death. Um, I, I think this game handles death really differently from the rest of the series. Um, the 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 moment that sticks out for me is when Cat dies. Um, it's just sudden, and she's dead, and that's it. And a lot of the death in in that game is handled similarly, in that it's just instantaneous. They're dead. Uh, there's no time to grieve. We're in the middle of a battlefield. We've just got to move on. And having, you know, there's kind of that 80s action movie-esque handling of death in the previous ones where everyone gets to have a monologue before they pass away and or have like a heroic sacrifice. <laughs> or And there's a bit of that in this. There's definitely people who get to have their heroic moment of making sure the others get through to the next phase. Yeah. But there, there are, there's a lot of pointless death where just people die. There was no purpose to it. It didn't help anyone. They're dead. We just got to move on. And I found that really you know as you say it's a much more mature take on that subject matter than the kind of well every everyone dies for a reason kind of you know the kind of the the lies that um the 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 80s action movies and what have you tell you that oh yeah every everyone dies for like for heroic reasons and what have you and they get to do something really cool before they die no some people just have a pointless death and you just got to move on yeah i think with with halo reach there's there's an element of humanity to, to the way mm-hmm. that the battles go, you you a bunch of Spartans that feel human. Well, they take their helmets off and you see faces. I mean, that's that goes and on. That's long intentional. Way. Yeah, of course, it is. I mean, it's it's an intentional design design decision that Master Chief in the story doesn't feel human, and and yeah. that leads on a far larger arc than over one game. Um, and anyone who uh, has played Halo Four, which we'll discuss on that show, um, and leading into Halo Five, knows this. With Reach, they know they're in a losing battle. That That's made perfectly clear. They know they're almost certainly going to die. Um, whereas ODST, you felt vulnerable, but ultimately you're aware that you're, and it feels horrible to say, only an ODST. If, if you drop, there's, there's many, many more. You're not the greater force fight in the fight. You're just part of it. Whereas we haven't seen Spartans drop. And, and yeah. that, that's... Uh, it, it's interesting when, you know, as Josh said, that the death of Cat, which isn't built up in any way, it's and you know, the, the cutscenes happening and all of a sudden she's dead. That that's it. it. It's finite. George has sacrificed himself, and ultimately we see Carter go out in a blaze of glory. Um, we we see Emil trying to, uh, sorry, Emil trying to fight on the Mac gun, and he gets taken down, um, and and you die at the end. The only one who gets out uh, is June. Um, and you're led to believe that he dies when the implosion of Orny Base uh, goes, but he actually turns out he actually evacuates uh, Doctor Halsey again, major story arc in, in the Halo franchise. So one of them does make it out, but when you start seeing these drop and in the cutscenes they're having these discussions about how they've got to move on and how there's no time to grieve and stuff, and it it doesn't feel ham-fisted, and it's so easy to do that in a game and. Halo's always been a macho franchise and, and you know, we, we've seen the way other games um, that, are, that are macho have tried to handle loss and death 
you say there's no time to grieve, so, but some of the, the striking shots and visually, this is an absolute phenomenal game, and it still is. Oh. Um, there's talking about a more adult story. There's a great shot where Cat, uh, Cat's, you know, obviously been killed, and the next scene is them yeah. walking over this cliff, and you have got the, you know, the absolutely crazy vista of war happening in the background, and one of the Spartans is holding Cat's limp body, just over, you know, in his arms, as to say, you know, we don't leave our dead behind. But it's a Spartan, like it's yeah, an outline of a Spartan that is just, you know, his limbs or their limbs collapsed over another person carrying them. And, you know, that that's stuff like that is striking imagery, um, be it a Halo fan or not. But I think if you are a Halo fan, to see what you would say an, an immovable force of the chief, um, to see essentially a chief-like character um, dead in somebody's arms is, you know, it's, an, in, it's a, a, a powerful statement um, within the Halo franchise, and I think that's generally why people, when they regard story in Halo, Halo Reach gets a lot more um, applause than than maybe some of the others. You've already mentioned it, Tony. Um, those visuals, and I wanted to, to say the first thing was that you know, we're talking about the mood there, the fact that it's more it's more somber, less buoyant, mm-hmm. uh, and that plays into the visuals. And they have a they have a kind of grainy, gritty look to them. And I don't know if that's partly technical, partly art design, um, but it's interesting that because you know the, the the planet of Reach is is still a beautiful place, but the the way that they light it, the way that it rains, the way all that sort of stuff keeps that mood uh, consistent throughout um so while you are appreciating the beauty and on a technical level how far they were pushing what was already um five-year-old hardware at that point um also it's it's uh it's kind of bleak but it's it's pleasing as well it has the same sort of beauty as a kind of yeah as a rugged landscape on a on a, s- a slate sky day kind of thing. we've been back me, me and um carl and uh, our friend john and it's interesting that after spending so many hours with the master chief collection yeah actually to go back to the 360 version of, of these games is actually it, it's initially quite difficult because mm. you know you can may argue 1080 you know 1080p etc 60 frames per second ah oh, some of that stuff doesn't make a difference it it really does when you go back um, yeah especially the 60 frames uh, a second. lot of it is just you know I, I guess you know the the sheer beauty of, the, of what the graphics are, but you know, presented is it, it is a fuzzy looking game at times. The vistas are absolutely jaws dropping, but at the same time, you're like, oh, I wonder how good this would look yeah. on you know the Xbox One. Um, and I, you know, I I really hope it gets the chance to actually shine on that. They've already broke the Master Chief Collection with ODSTs, so just drop this on there because I think visually it's. It's the most striking game out of the entirety of the series. Well, at least Master Chief is technically in reach, so you know, he's, he's <laughs> yeah, not in ODST. <laughs> but I'd, I'd say what you have to remember is a lot of these games have been set on Halos, and Halos essentially are you know, facsimiles. They are constructs of different sections of culture or humanity, whatever they may be. So, you know, this section is a forest because this is what we facsimilate a forest to be like. Or oh, this is a you know a city because this is what we've created a city to be like against X Y or Z. Mm. So they're all you know they they feel slightly off in some regards. Um, Reach does a, the fantastic thing because it's based on a planetary you know, planet within our system, obviously. Well, so yeah, it's it um it feels more like home. Um, you know the. 
the way that the the hills rolls, the ways that there's um, houses built within you know into the land and little you know settlements and structures which are clearly lived in before the covenant come to invade, and and that you know, proliferates pretty much throughout the game. Even the bases feel very much like they're they're a human construct rather than a facsimile of of what that could be. Interestingly, it, it has you know gameplay uh, impact as well. Um, but we'll talk a little bit more. About that. But yeah, visually, I I think it looks superb. Um, yeah. Which is once again, it's odd because it's such a different game to me than than the core of the Halo franchise. That I I love it for its own reasons. Yet I also adore how Halo looks as a general rule. So yeah, I, the only thing I would say is that I think as much as it makes perfect sense, I think it. It does. It loses a bit of its mm-hmm. halo personality by dropping 100%. some of the, you know, the purples and the greens and the and the sort of, you know, the 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 fifties sci-fi color scheme yeah. that sometimes the Covenant brought to the party. But obviously, it wouldn't. It, I mean, you know, some of that's still in there. There's the needle gun still fires, you know, purple shards and whatever. But but the overall palette is is muted and and yeah, uh, far more human. Yeah. Um, in, in in its origin, and it, it it's funny because. I've personally played through all the Halo games um, very recently, and this is the one that's technically the most aged. Now it's the only one that's um, not running at 1080. It's the only one that's not running at 60 frames a second, and I believe artistically, it's the uh, in terms of its design, it's the most superior of of all the Halo games. Yeah, the scale of yeah. the distance and the battles going on in, in, in the background and the amount of things going on, it makes me wonder how they did this on a console that was at the time five years old. Now the game is five years old and it still has that stunning mm. factor of just yeah. I've not seen anything else do this. Well, it, for me, it, it's it's you know it's the old you know that old chestnut art direction trumps technology every yeah. single time, and I think. From an art direction standpoint, this is my favorite by by some distance. Um, just it's not just how good things look; it's the way everything. It's the composition of all the scenes. Yes, um, there's just a real attention to detail. Like you know the the first area where you're going through, you know, some rural towns and and, and villages. And it just, it feels like a real place. Like, it doesn't feel yes. like a level. It feels like you're going through people's homes and, mm. and rooting around in their stuff. Um, and I, I, I get where, where Leon's coming from in terms of, um, like, losing kind of the Halo identity. But at the same time, I think this game does such a strong, such a good job of defining its own identity apart from the rest of the series. It's it, it, it's not that it's lost personality; it's just created one of its own in in the choices that it's made, um, and and a slightly more a less on a less emotional level. I much prefer the designs for all the weapons in this game, all the redesigns for the human weapons. I love how functional they look and how they look like prototypes of the weapons that you'd... Um, and I suppose that's yeah, kind of... That's what they are, the, Josh. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what they're meant to be. But I, I, I really like how mechanical and um, and bitty they look. It goes beyond that as yeah. well. They They... Give the re- you know, a complete redesign of pretty much the Covenant um, as well. So yeah. you know you 
you've always had you know level grade jackals and and you know the elites, but but here they're they're a lot thinner, they're a lot more agile, they're faster, they're a lot more yeah. dangerous. Um, if you see certain color codes, you actually are scared. Certainly on high difficulty levels, and actually knowing that. It's not a case of well, I throw some plasma grenades there, even which was be the case in Legendary in, in previous titles. They will jump, they will dive out the way, they will not get hit by that grenade, um, and you have to become a lot more cunning with um, tactics to take these things down. And same as yeah. the um, you know the grunts, the grunts have always been this this comical element I think in the series. You know they come up, they they shout, "Oh, birthday man!" Or they're ridiculous. Know, I was listening to the, the the flippy flap where some one of the grunts talks about the fact that you just killed his brother Flippy Flap, and it and it, it's like a fifteen minute monologue, and it's hilarious and it's brilliant. I didn't hear once in my recent playthrough a grunt say anything particularly funny. They were just grunts. They were, you know, they yeah. were just things that could actually, if they wanted to, take you down on the higher difficulty levels, which just isn't the case on on the later games. Now, once again, personal preference and all. Um, there, there was a part of me that absolutely missed the fact that the grunts mm. didn't make funny noises, just as they didn't tell me about their brother Flippy Flap dying. Um, and it's a bit jarring. It can seem a bit jarring. You've you've got green fields you're fighting in against enemies which are you know superior in design for for sure against the the I guess the earlier games in the series. Yet there's a little bit of, for me a little bit of charm that was lost because of that. Yet there's a lot of charm that was gained from Reach being its having been its own title and actually seeing what this game could be from a, a different directive. Really confusing uh, playing through this game again. Certainly playing against other stuff, but very very interesting to see what would happen if you took a game and changed not necessarily changed the formula, changed its both art style and mainly its art style and its storytelling. I mean, without sounding like Willy Wonka from the old movie and claiming that a snozbury tastes like a snozbury, it's getting onto what Josh was saying about the rural areas. They genuinely feel rural, and you get the cities who generally feel like cities. And in prior Halo games, it's always had this trick where you tend to do the level and then run back through the level to finish mm -hmm. it, and then you revisit that level. Um, so there, there could be, say, 10 levels, but maybe only six of them are actually original content. And in Halo Reach, you only revisit the only sword base um, once on the way there in level three and once on the way back in level eight, I believe. Um, Harken back to my comment regarding scale. Um, so we've got low-income areas, which feel fantastic, and you've got everything's knocked together out of wood, which you can use to battle. You're shooting through the gaps, and you're hiding under the, the wooden rafters and going around the buildings, and you've got um, the cities where they have these nightclubs, and, and then you've got the buildings where they're government-funded, and they're all in chrome and solid concrete, and they're really um, sort of imposing structures. Mm. And all feels really naturally and so well crafted. We've we've got to talk about the music as well. Uh, oh, while let's we're talk on about that. the music, Mario Donald Fan Hour. What I uh, what I love a lot about this soundtrack is it riffs so much on on the original, you know, classic Halo music. There's a lot of drums and there's a lot of choirs, but the tone is so different. Um, just the use of um, 
of uh, the strings and, and what have you, that, you know, the somber tone is reflected in the music and the melancholic tone is reflected in the music. And uh, Winter Contingency, uh, that track has an almost funereal kind of tone to it in that mm. it, it really does feel like this is a military failure um, rather than, you know, the the classic Halo um you know the classic halo theme which feels like you know we're marching into battle and we're going to we're going to you know defeat the enemy and what have you i just i i love the fact that they managed to take all the elements that make up like you know classic halo music but just change it slightly so it has a completely different emotional context yeah, I mean Martin, Martin O'Donnell is clearly a very talented composer. We all know that, but his duties on the Halo games go far beyond that. He's involved in the design process. He's the sound director, yeah. and he runs all that stuff, and that lends itself to a, a the the cues and the consistency throughout match up. It, it's not a case of someone being sent away. That's you go and compose it, and we're going to overlay it um, and, and hope that it comes together. Martin O'Donnell's the guy that makes sure it comes mm. together. And in Halo Reach, it, where the stakes are the highest they've ever been in a Halo game and things need to be somber, it, it it feels like it matches the things that are happening in battle and in the cutscenes um, beyond what we've seen in the prior Halos. And it's something that we praised in the ODST show um, for, the, for the same sort of things you did, it changed up the style and it felt like it lent itself to the somber nature um, this goes somewhere in between where it, it it's somewhat the, like a marching th- uh, to battle sort of style music because you're a Spartan but then it's got the somber things of inevitability of what's going to happen and it, it is a truly wonderful score it's so well crafted I feel like um, I don't remember as many of the pieces, even though I played this through uh, on Legendary. Yeah. Um, I think there are fewer sort of standout melodies with hooks. So I suspect that if I went back and listened to the soundtrack, it's not a soundtrack I've actually sort of you know gone back to, and that's not any reflection on the quality. It's just that I haven't. Um, I suspect there's a lot of bits that would would probably strike me as being, you know, spine tinglingly nostalgic and and yeah. evocative of going through that game. But it's not something that I've had on heavy rotation since. Although, you know, the bits I do really remember, because this was a game that, as I mentioned earlier, I just used to leave sitting on its title screen, on its on its attract mode, because I just thought the title screen was just an amazing piece of art. Yeah, it's beautiful and, even now. And the music uh, would, um, there was, I think, it was, was it, were there like a selection of pieces that would come in and out, like every, it would play every couple of minutes. The main one was like a drum beat that, you know, yeah, starts I remember some of those as well as anything, just because I listened, probably listened to them most times, whereas a lot of time with the incidental music especially when you're playing on legendary you you just have to be in the moment so it it yeah. you know i'm sure it was doing a fantastic job of of selling the experience to me but i wasn't thinking here's that bit where it goes da 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 you know it's that it's it's i think it's it's far more it's probably it's more, more subtle than yeah yeah but that's not that again that's absolutely not we, we've talked a lot about the uh the other soundtracks in the series and i i like them very much and and as i said you know that i mean 
obviously uh, as much as anything music is so much about taste but i've very seldom heard people say oh, i really hate the music to all the halo games like even people who hate the jumping hate the characters hate the purple guns yeah. it's like yeah well the soundtrack's pretty great <laughs> you know um <laughs> I, I think maybe it's uh yeah it, I, i'm not sure what, what that says maybe you know it's just for whatever reason it pleases a lot of people but yeah, there's no doubting, uh, no doubting their uh, O'Donnell and Salvatore's uh, yeah. importance to the experience. So on to the actual core gameplay. One of the things, uh, you know, it, it is. I've just mentioned it. You know, it's got it's got the guns that shoot purple uh, purple shards. It's it's got the floaty jump because you're a Spartan. Um, there's a few things we've seen. Of course, it does that thing that that happens in video games where some of the things that were actually invented later in the series are now in the prequel because otherwise you just have to strip all the mechanics back and that wouldn't yeah. that wouldn't make any sense. So you've got things like the shields and and stuff like that. Which, uh, which weren't there before. I, have you still? You, you can still pick up, shield, or is mm-hmm. it purely down to uh, Spartan abilities? The, the the bubble shield is a Spartan ability. Yeah. Um, okay. Drop shield. Right. Yeah. Okay. But yes. Yeah, so now you've got uh, depending on uh, you've got well you've got a you've got a limited uh, sprint if you pick up one of the power ups, uh, and the, I yeah. suppose this is the main. Is the, would you say this is the the sort of main new element the the Spartan abilities. Yeah. Certainly, in terms of what was attempted in the multiplayer, um, right? A, a lot of people um, around the launch and pre-launch were claiming, especially after the beta, were claiming that a lot of the purity of the Halo multiplayer was lost, yeah, and a lot sure. of its character had been changed mm. for the worst, and, and that it was starting to kowtow to other franchises that had special skills. And and, yeah. and you still couldn't level up though, like in in COD and Battlefield. It did have a leveling system. It had a it had did a credit it? system, but it was for changing the appearance. I was going to say, yeah, it's purely so buy cosmetic, armor, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was purely cosmetic, not in terms of yeah. So that's a, that's a massive difference. Uh, you know, not again. You know, they, absolutely, Call of Duty and Battlefield do their thing and they do it well. But yeah. but it, you know that purity that you're talking about was important. It was it made it more like you know you go back to Bungie's legacy of Marathon, um, which was uh, you know around out around the same time as the Earth early uh, sort of popular first-person shooters like uh, Doom and Unreal and things like that, it was important that everyone was on a level playing field. And and I suppose anything that could make people feel that Bungie were going away from that could be yeah. the, the fans might balk at it. But actually, you've still only got your limited set of stuff and you can't yeah. be just... You can't just be like a faster character yeah, in the sense It becomes personal preference that, if you prefer to jetpack around. Yeah, then. exactly. And it's balanced, isn't it? I understand why people would get frustrated by it. Absolutely. For me, it added to the battle. It became a game of top trumps, you know. Um, Mm. You've got abilities like the jetpack, which adds, and here comes my very favorite word to describe quality multiplayer, verticality. Um, And then you've got the drop shield, which is basically a bubble shield from prior games. You've got armor lock, which was brand new to the series where you overcharge your armor. And that that really changed the battle up because Mm. you could use it that if someone stuck you with a sticky grenade, you could pop your armor lock and it would fly off. Same with needles. If someone was trying to run you down in a ghost, you could quite comically... um, lock your armor and, and blow them up so you got that yeah. those strange moments where you would watch someone in a battle and they were clearly tempting someone in a ghost to try and run them over yeah. which you'd never happened in prior games and then you've got the think, sprint yeah. uh, the sprinting system as well uh hologram which was 
strange because it was implemented Hollow into Duke. the single player, but it never really worked as well in single player no. as it did in multiplayer, but it worked brilliantly in multiplayer. And now it's nothing new. We've seen it in other games, but I've never seen it used as well in multiplayer. Um, and that's where you would essentially send a hologram ahead of you. Yeah. and It was it would, a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it would cause someone to hopefully empty over half their clip into a hologram before you could then go and outgun them that, that sort of or, or give away their position i remember using it a ton on legendary just to draw draw enemies yeah. out and stuff like that so i think i think it did have its uses in both um but yeah, yeah it certainly led to some amusing things you know you send out your, your hologram across a walkway and you hear the <laughs> you know the cascade of gunfire and then you walk around the back to the you know to behind cooey you know all that sort of thing smack to the back of the head these uh, new abilities were very much uh, designed with the halo ethos in mind um yeah i'm not i'm not sure i i quite understand where certain fans are coming from in terms of it like turning the game more like a call of duty game because i feel like Speed. all of these mm. all of these abilities can have created those fun wacky halo moments that we all talk about you know mm. like you know the a moment that really sticks out for me is when two guys with jetpacks had gravity hammers and they both smashed each other in the air and they mm. both went flying in either direction and that was really hilarious and that really reminded me of all those kind of moments you had with halo yeah. 3 with the physics with the, the halo physics are all still yeah there, yeah aren't they? So and and i think even improved and I think they added a lot to the single player as well. I think the the jetpacks were really, really aided some of the level design in terms of you know the more vertical levels being able to just quickly ascend certain areas and and stuff like that. Um, and the armor lock was really useful to, for taking out enemy tanks. I think more so in single player than uh, multiplayer because people got wise to that after a while. Yeah. But uh, the the enemy AI never got wise to it. No. So. Um, uh, that continued to be fun. But um, yeah, I, I think all of those abilities, um, they have their weaknesses. Um, a lot of people, uh, you know, thought the armor lock was kind of uh, overpowered at first, but people soon realize if you just lobbed a bunch of grenades in their general yeah, direction. Yeah, two or three seconds eventually... after they locked up <laughs> when they came out. Yeah, bang. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, it, it just, it, they're too well designed uh, and. And they have weaknesses built in for me to think that any one of those abilities would give a, a player a serious advantage in multiplayer. I, I think it, it's a case of damn do you do, Dan, if you don't. If they didn't change up the formula, yeah. then the same old Halo, you don't attract a new crown. If you do change it up, then you're always going to have some some kickback from it. I think they yeah. they were conscious enough of it. They they didn't go too over the top. There's you know, not locking out weapons. It's more of a cosmetic thing with the, the improvements. Um, you know, as personally somebody that was, yeah, you know, I enjoyed Halo multiplayer. I found the extra layer of abilities sometimes to be a bit more because it was more things to to concentrate what was going on in the battlefield. It was never as used to be a bit more clear if somebody was up in the air, in the air, then they jumped on a, a grav list somewhere, so it was easy to get the trajectory. Where in this, you know, they could be anywhere, so it made things harder for the battlefield for sure and actually made it for me slightly less enjoyable because i was more about well uh, i know this the rule set and suddenly the rule set has now been expanded exponentially because of these you know extra five abilities doesn't mean it was a bad multiplayer it just meant that it wasn't one that then clicked with me eventually to play it as many hours as i did with halo 3 but um you know having seen some some people really play it and get into it then i understand i think it was probably the right 
progression for the series to take because there's no point just mm. standing still and i don't think the uh the, the single player did so why should the multiplayer and yeah ruffled a few feathers for sure um but i i you know i preferred the abilities in in the single player if, I, if i'm honest i had never been a good halo player in multiplayer and that pains me because i absolutely love that yeah. franchise but i sucked at multiplayer um and after playing this, I actually found Halo 3 multiplayer considerably easier because it was so much slow-paced. Uh, but I did get somewhat addicted to the multiplayer in Halo Reach, uh, dangerously so. Um, I The game came out in September. I started playing it a lot. I played it with the same friends. Um, I ended up with a horrific negative kill death. I swore that I would get a positive kill death and, and, and see how it goes. And after three months, I ended up having to stop playing the game because I was addicted. I remember this. Uh, really badly addicted. Absolutely uh, on it all the time. And I, and I played this, yeah. I think I played this more than a number of the other Halo multiplayers. But again, as, as I always do, because I play so many different things and, and whatever, I drifted away from it. Not because it was boring, because I'd got fed up of it, just because other things happened. Um but I remember, you know, I, I I dropped in and out once every few weeks, as I do with online yeah. games. And there there was Carl always playing it. And there were all these weekly and daily challenges, weren't yeah. there? That, um, yeah, that's where that that's, sort of that's started. That's what hooked you in. So, I mean, this was kind of the proto-Destiny in a way, wasn't it? Yeah. But, but this had content. So um, I would play the multiplayer and it would start on a night about seven, eight o'clock. And it would go on to the early hours. And this was every day. And... After it got to the point where I ended up going on a series of courses in the November of that year, and it was uh, I had to do firefighting um, over two days and water survival techniques, oh, two this things is which when you, you can imagine. A boat, yes, yes, and they're two courses where you imagine your mind's got to be set and you got to be focused on what you're doing. And I was literally thinking about Halo all the time, all the time, and then I'd be jonesing in the hotel room on the night, and. It just got really bad, and I'd get back, and I'd play more hours. In the end, I thought, I've got to stop playing this. Wow. Like, no other games were getting played. Nothing was getting done. Um, I got truly, truly addicted. I'm not sure I've ever I... had that with a specific game. And uh, But how does that make you feel? Because obviously, you know, you, the way you're talking about Halo Reach, you still, uh, you, you know, your summary, I know you're going to say you love it. It's an right, amazing uh, game. Let me, let me <laughs> this way. When we finish playing our, our... Uh, co-op campaign through again Carl been playing some multiplayer and he's a few thousand points away from ranking up again he goes oh, I've got to hit that rank now and there was a mm-hmm. part of me who just wanted to step in and take the disc away from him and go no Carl yeah. you can't <laughs> not anymore um, yeah yeah in, t- in terms of rank I hit general grid 2 um, and this is before they started throwing points at people and, and upping the, the rank this was over the period of three months and in that three months my stats say that I played it for six days and 20 hours um and that's just competitive multiplayer mm. um in terms of the camp in terms of firefight that was two days and 17 hours the campaign was two days and 18 and a half hours uh invasion mode was nine hours 10 uh you know it works out it was well over two weeks of gameplay time in three months well you got your value for <laughs> your uh whatever insane price you paid um, for the statue <laughs> you know you say you say at one point you say how does that make you feel and it's like if you ever hear people that were addric- addicted to very solid drugs who are clean and they say well how do you feel and they go well i miss it it's that kind of mm-hmm. thing you know i know i was addicted and i know i had to give it up but if i could have just played that game and nothing else and not had to worry about anything else but i would to, never have played to, another game for the next yeah you know, to 
to How funnel well? it more into a conversation about you know the game, I, I, the game had so many hooks, and it, it wasn't just that's that's yeah, what I wanted it, it to, talk, to ask about. Do you do you do you say that these are intelligent oh, hooks by the designers, are, yeah. or or did it you know for whatever well, it's, reason it's it tickled most, your endorphins? It's the most complete package oh, of everything, right? So it's it's not just okay. It's, it had a very you know sound multiplayer. It had a fantastic single player. They you know, they had a much expanded firefight mode. Um, they had different new multiplayer mm. modes. So was it Invasion, which was a really interesting mode in itself. Yeah. Um, they had this you know, leveling system built around where it wasn't where you played multiplayer, so you level up. You could le- level up in everything, and, and as well as the standard co-op modes. They had so many things you could do if, when you put that disc in that if you if you got into that game, then you know it was it was designed. And we see this now; like every game seems to do this. They want you to play that game, and they will feed you tidbits for you know, months and months and months to keep you coming back. And I think, you know, Bungie obviously learned quite a few things from, from this game before jumping onto Destiny. Mm. But, you know, it's, it's a classic case of finding a game. And, and if you're into that series, and Call of yeah. Duty does it now, that it drips feeds feed you and or there's enough content in there for you to keep coming back and back and back. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. We're, we're recording in the week of uh, Destiny 2.0 having been released, um, a significant patch, which, uh, you know, I haven't been back to it yet, but supposedly uh, it's uh, it's taken on board a lot of the feedback. And believe me, they have had a mm-hmm. lot in the first year of oh, Destiny. Yeah. And this is not the Destiny podcast. Obviously, that's going to be in years to come. Um, uh, but it's interesting that, you know, the, I don't remember people having the same level of resentment for Halo Reach as some people do now for Destiny and how it, it um, you know, the, I think that the, the criticism yeah. you hear most often with Destiny, even even from people who like it, is that it disrespects your time. Yes. Whereas Halo Reach, uh, you know, you didn't feel that, Carl. Uh, uh, you, were ju- you were just having fun, right? I mean, the, the the biggest difference between the two is that this never felt like a grind. This always felt optional. It never felt like the core experience was going to be hampered if I did not grind. Yeah. The, the weapons did not level. Nope. I, w- I had access to all those weapons. Again, that's the difference between between the two, a major one. Yeah. You didn't have to level up. Um, mm. You know, I, I could go in as general uh, grade two and go and play someone who was... Um, uh, Law warrant officer yeah. like Tony. Or but they might be the better player. Less. For me, there, there's a real sense of this being um, Bungie's best of album in terms of yeah. level design and, and the choices they made. Um, unlike a lot of the previous games, I don't think there's a single weak level. There isn't a, a level like Cortana in Halo Reach. Uh, yeah. I, I had fun from beginning to end um and and it felt like this game flowed and it really went along at a went along at a clip i think pacing is kind of a strength of all the halo games but it just it never felt like there was a roadblock or or anything that just oh this isn't fun i don't like this section it was all engaging and every it felt like there was like a thesis statement for each section of the game as yeah. well. Like this, okay, this level we're going to focus on this kind of style of combat, and this level, um, the the one that stands out for me, uh, for me personally, um, is the one where you're in the chopper in the city and you're you're going from place to place activating certain things and fighting yeah. certain enemies and and rescuing i just i structurally i really liked the idea of 
just being in this helicopter and going going from place to place because it created this panic of like we need to help all these people but also it allowed them to have like these very you know different encounters in all of these buildings and what have you and and all the enemies it seemed like they decided right let's focus on the enemies that we know fans love to fight yeah um and um you know the the flood for me has always been a weakness for many of the series uh, um, as we hear each each time we do it um, and um yeah their absence for me is a benefit to this game because every encounter focuses on the puzzle like nature of halo's combat when you're fighting the covenant um and especially bringing back the elites, um, who are very difficult to take down, and yeah. the 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 fact that um, I I felt like more so in this game than the previous titles, I was really I was really forced to pick weapons that were tailored to specific enemies and the elites are kind of the prime example of that where the moment elites were on the battlefield i picked up you know the charge energy pistol to take down their shields and then finish them off with my assault rifle because if you try to take them down with your assault rifle they're just bullet sponges they they just absorb and they just take so much damage but if you think about it tactically and you know okay this weapon will take down their shield instantly and then i can take them out uh, that 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 stuff is so much fun there were obviously uh a lot of things about the design of this game that appealed to me in the sense that this was the one that i played the most post combat evolved um i played combat evolved through multiple times in multiple configurations as, as we talked about before with different people in co-op and so on um and the subsequent games for me were each, uh, you know, playthrough on normal, playthrough maybe on heroic, and get that bit more out of it, and then try a bit of legendary maybe, and then and a bit of multiplayer, and then you know back to back to the bottom of the pile. But Halo Reach had me playing and playing and playing and playing, and even playing when I was getting frustrated. There are a couple of difficulty spikes or i found yeah. and you know you can get lucky with the checkpoints and and whatever or you can you know you can glitch your way through a certain amount in in that sort of uh, the way that people might associate <laughs> now with the souls souls games but yeah i mean this is solo legendary i'm talking about so there's no there was no um you know kind of uh yeah, relying on each other's on yeah exactly yeah. um but yeah i i did it i loved it i i played very little else for for however long it took me um and yeah, I you know it's it's very hard to to go back five years and think about all the specific moments, but yeah. I do remember that apart from a few really frustrating spikes, I was generally just having a great time and thinking I can do this because the rules are completely laid out in front of me. Yeah, and like I think there were issues with you mentioned previously about the original Combat Evolved not having enough precision weapons other than the pistol um, yeah. to make Legendary a real mm. you know a real challenge on solo. Whereas on this game the tools were always there sometimes you had to go back a few screens sometimes you had to uh <laughs> scavenge sometimes you had to be really inventive sometimes you just had to be very very good um and but it it rewarded me it rewarded me for doing that over and over again and the achievement was something of a uh, of a lure um but it's not enough of a lure to do it with most video games. So yeah. this certainly got its hooks into me. And in, in, I mean, as I say, I played a fair chunk of multiplayer and a fair chunk of firefight. Um, but 
overall. I mean, I I suspect between yeah, it, it's definitely between Combat Evolved and this as to which of the Halo games that I've put the most time into and got the most out of for definite part of it we haven't even talked about the uh because obviously we talked about the the battle rifle before but the the dmr in this game uh you know is the kind of um the de rigueur the weapon of choice for many many situations as much as you you, exactly as you always say you want the you want the fully charged plasma pistol to take down shields and the needle is perfect for certain situations and the sniper rifle is a lot of fun and i can't actually remember exactly which weapons were kept and dropped and which were changed in this version after five years but i do remember using the dmr and it feeling even more delicious than the battle rifle uh in in multiple scenarios picking off jackals from from a range and it feeling like you know it's it's that it's that weapon that it's it's not only for long range it's not, it's not only for short range it actually yeah. works at, at different you know it works at multiple ranges and and yeah i suspect the um the audio design in this game was uh yeah just as um just as evocative as 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 its predecessors as well you know the guns always sound each a a little bit different in each version of the game but again i always felt like i was getting strong feedback from from the game and uh and there is that very particular way that enemies drop in in halo games and to a slightly lesser extent destiny but you can still feel it which which isn't in halo 4 which we'll talk about in a month um but all that, yeah, all that combined with the beautiful vistas and and the sort of general grittiness, yeah, I was uh, I was there from yeah more than start to finish. There's a you have to defend a landing zone for yeah, quite a while. Yeah, yeah. Against... yeah, that that's fantastic. That's a fantastic underground cavern section because that's, that's it, yeah. the time that you have um, the overwhelming odds that the story alludes to yeah. you feel in that battle and you can quickly run out to um open up four turrets yeah. that, that'll slightly slow down the enemies and the enemies get tougher and tougher and you start getting the super elites in and you get the jetpacking elites Brute in and you get hunters and chieftains yeah, yeah it's, it's um, rock hard. and it's a real battle and you've got all the weapons there and you're quickly running out and swapping plasma pistol with plasma pistol picking up a rocket launcher that kind of thing taking down an enemy just to get the right weapon <laughs> to take down another enemy, yeah. Yeah, you choose the order of your enemies. That's that's something that Halo does well. It's um, yeah, prioritizing. You 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 have a group of enemies, and you you have your order. He's he's going first, then him, then him, then it, and you have to do that. Because, and especially on legendary, because otherwise you're just not going to get it complete. And let's not forget, Reach also has a level which is the best Star Fox game we've had since Star Fox 64. Well, we, I wanted to mention the spaceships. Um there yeah, there's a there's a there's a kind of it, well it makes me think of the um the suddenly you're in a, a side scrolling shooter mm-hmm. in Turrican 2. But um mm. yeah, it's got a it's got a little spaceship sub game which is unusual because previously in all Halo games the, all the vehicular stuff which is obviously still there is all you know seamless kind of open world style from within the game but here you are you're actually in a spaceship level which um yeah i thought it was okay i would i wouldn't go as far as you just did carl at all but um it was <laughs> but it was it was fun yeah it was uh, i mean i think going back to it the thing that surprised me the most was how much freedom over your movement you actually mm. had which is you know when you're changing the essentially the genre of your game for a level you don't get that consistency with the tight controls and yeah. actually, there haven't been. I mean, there, there have been a few sort of downloadable spaceship shooters and uh, and and various things in in recent years. But it's not a yeah. genre that in itself is is very well populated, uh, or has been really in the last ten fifteen years. Um, 
but yeah, it, it's again. So this time you haven't got the flood, um, which was you know something similar to what you're already doing, but different. In this this time, they actually went for a vehicle section, which normally, you know, in in my experience of games like uh, Gears of War and Gears of War Two. And to a slightly lesser extent, Gears of War 3 and, and, and many others, <laughs> the vehicle section's always like, oh, God, yeah. no, this is a Stick disaster. Stick out like a sore yeah. thumb, don't feel tight. I don't just mean no. to pick on uh, Epic, because there are plenty of other people who no. have, have done it. But um, but that sort of, rather than that feeling of, oh, God, don't make me do this, um, these were actually like, oh, cool, I'm flying a spaceship now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to do it, do it right, and at least put, you know, yeah. get the effort in to get it to, uh, uh, of a standard of quality equal to the other parts of your game. I, I wouldn't, and I, yeah, like I, wouldn't I wouldn't say it was as good as no, the I rest wouldn't. of the game. I think it's, it's a tad right. too tad too easy, um at least on the normal difficulty. It's, yeah. It's, and, and yeah, the, it's not much harder on legendary as I recall. Yeah, and the and the combat just doesn't have the, the depth of the ground combat. Um a lot of the enemies are pretty easy to take out. But uh, you know when you're comparing it to vehicle sections in every other game out there, it does end up being one of the better examples of it just because it's fun and it's not frustrating. It's just an enjoyable yeah. um, kind of different also, change there's of pace. context for them getting to a ship. I mean, it's, it's the, the, yeah, the reason yeah. they go up there is you know to fight their way to a ship rather than just, yeah, well, yeah. we're in a... You know, rather than yeah, just do it in a cutscene. Yeah, yeah. the players <laughs> to get from A to B or whatever. Right, well, obviously we're going to say some more in our summaries, but I'd like now to hear from our wonderful community who have posted mainly on the forum at canarince.com slash forum. Uh, we've also got an email at the end, uh, which is which is a bit of a cracker. It was sent in weeks and weeks ago, uh, so it would be uh, my pleasure to finally read it out. But first, let's hear from Nekimansa who says Reach hits the high points of other Halo games, graphics, characters, soundtrack, etc., and introduced Halo Star Fox All Range Mode, which worked well too. There are a fair number of low points, though. I feel like the areas don't quite ha have the same freedom as previous games did. It's not quite a hallway simulator, but I've definitely felt much more constrained, which is a shame because Reach is beautiful and I'd have loved to have a little less guided story. I get what they were doing with the story and zones. They work together, but it feels a little less Halo-ish. I got to admit, though, I don't really care for some of the enemy designs they went with here. I'm not sure how to describe it, but I found the elites to be far less defined, maybe? They just kind of seem like a mashup of shiny things that are shooting at me, and the brutes are a long ways off from their Halo 2 and 3 designs that I much prefer. Really bullet spongy too, even on just normal. It didn't seem like plasma pistol headshot weapon was nearly as effective versus elites or brutes as in previous games. I really wish Reach had been put into the Master Chief collection. I ran into tons of frame rate issues through my playthrough. Here's hoping for it to be added in as DLC down the road. It absolutely deserves to be played on hardware that can actually handle running the game appropriately because the game is flipping gorgeous. Honestly, the further I get on my replay of this, the more I'm thinking this may be the weakest entry in the Halo series. It's still a great game, but it feels quite a bit different than the other mainline Halo games. Because of those differences, it's likely that some people might enjoy it more, while some less. It's kind of funny, originally I was down on ODST and up on Reach. On revisiting them, I'm up on ODST and down on Reach. Still, really enjoyed my replay of Reach though. That ending is incredibly powerful. What a strong, solid way to wrap up the game. Yeah, just just to go on the points, um, having recently replayed mm. it myself on the 360, mm -hmm. 
there were we played it in court. We had a couple of issues where it would pause, but they were lag issues. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. more than anything, I would say in terms of frame rate issues, I had a couple of stutters at most mm. in the in the whole playthrough. I so don't it's remember. unfortunate that, he, that he's had heavy frame rate. I don't issues remember because, any issues. Maybe he hasn't installed yeah. it. Um, it could be the case that you know, having played the games in the Master Chief Collection, the step down to thirty frames a second, it feels slower, a bit more sluggish. Yeah. Um, I, I, maybe more that has an impact. Yeah. Um, because it do, it does feel really strange because uh, I'm not one of those everything has to be sixty no, no, frames no, a second people. All, no. You know, I, I like my third person games to be thirty frames a second. Yeah, it can work. But um, in terms of, in terms of first persons, I do like those at sixty and playing. Uh, one through three plus ODST in sixty frames a second feels really nice. Mm, mm. Um, so that 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 definitely had an impact on my um, memories of Reach. Because memories are always incredibly powerful, aren't they? And they don't always tell the truth. Um, and, and when you see, sort of see this, that I'm not as in a strange way. The impact of thirty frames a second means I'm not as high on Reach as I was. Mm. I'm still pretty high mm. on it. You might be able mm. to tell, but um, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, in terms of pure frame rate issues, I didn't really have any. Next up, we have Robotic Monkey. He says, The beta testing for Reach got me really excited for the game, and I picked it up day one. At the time, I had two Xboxes and two televisions, both set up and working downstairs, and I played through the game with my wife on normal, followed by, a th- by us both instantly replaying it on Legendary with a group of four. I'm genuinely proud of completing a legendary solo run of this game too, as has been the case with previous Bungie games. The game forces you to play in a different way when you're playing legendary. You have to approach each battle carefully and work out your path through to the next area. The enemy AI is downright devious, elites hiding behind cover and frustratingly accurate with grenade throws, but it never felt unfair. The multiplayer became a regular Sunday evening event and there was a broad enough scope to it that I figure I must have played this every weekend for the best part of a year and I have no regrets about that. In fact, I kind of miss the group of people who would regularly drop in and play and the joys of pulling off an assassination on the people who spent too long staring down a sniper scope. (laughs) There were so many great custom game types that evolved from the community. I feel that Halo Reach was Bungie's swan song for the franchise. Despite not featuring Master Chief, Easter eggs aside, it felt like another careful step in the series. The new Spartan abilities felt like a welcome addition to the game, and each of them felt carefully balanced. Uh, Next up we have Deacon050C. Let's guess he's a Spartan or something. I played Halo Reach out of general obligation to the series. I had an Xbox uh, 360 and played every game. I liked them, but didn't love them. I played the multiplayer because my friends were online. I loved the atmosphere, gameplay was fine, but it was never more than that. That continued when I bought Reach. I had enjoyed ODST because it was a similar story within a larger framework. That and no flood. I hate the flood, but I digress. Reach for me was my favourite in the series, simply because the fight felt personal to me. Knowing the lore and how important the fall of Reach is, it made me focus on getting Noble Team back safely, even though I knew it would end tragically. By the end of the game, I was angry that my team couldn't survive. I know it wasn't Mass Effect and there wasn't a choice in the matter, yet I really wanted it. And if I could see the look on my face during the last stand, my determination to get Noble Six out of this death trap, and it would never happen. After I finished it, I played Halo 3 again out of boredom, yet I found myself dedicating that playthrough to the sacrifice of Noble Team because I had a new perspective on it now. I finished the fight for them. I had a personal stake in the story. Halo Reach stands out for me as the one that made me appreciate the entirety of the series. Cool. Interesting. Next up, we have Baker's 12. 
Halo Reach is at the top of my list of Halo games. When I first played it on release, I felt something was off with it. I couldn't put my finger on it. It felt a little slower and the scale of the thing was a bit different than before. It felt different to play somehow. After I got used to whatever changed or perceived to change, I was away. I now feel that the more gritty setting and the slight changes to be akin to when there was a change in director in a long-running film series. Actually, that would be Halo 4, really, wouldn't it? But uh, (laughs) for me, it's the best Halo story being a prequel. The story messes with the traditional FPS Halo story structure, where in most games, playing through a level rewards a player with a lovely mission complete pat on the back and the feeling of shaping the events of the story. Reach's story is one of hollow victory after another. You destroy a ship, along comes a fleet, and you protect an evac site from enemy troops, the site will be shot at from orbit. On paper, you would think this would feel unsatisfying, but for me it wasn't. In fact, it was the most emotionally charged Halo game to date. You only get a small glimpse of hope in the dying stages of the game, only to have that end section. Reach was the only Halo multiplayer that I loved. I enjoyed Halo 3s, but this clicked with me in a big way. The modes, customization, challenges and gameplay were balanced to perfection. Thanks, Bakers. Another from Chase210. Another Spartan. Reach was yet another example of me getting caught up in the hype for a game. I'd sold my original 360 I used to play Halo 3 by this point, but I got so caught up in the hype and the Remember Reach campaign, I went out on launch day and bought a slim 360 in the limited edition of Reach, the one that came with a neat diary and art pictures and stuff, if I could recall correctly, and promptly traded it all in again a week later once I'd gone through the campaign and dabbled in the multiplayer. That's not a slight against the game, though. I think Reach has by far the strongest single player of any Halo game, discounting my nostalgia for stuff like 3. The story of a disaster we already know is happening and how it's going to end, although if you read the extra Halo book First Strike, you'd know that it's not the end of the story on Reach, uh, is really good, uh, although none of the new Spartans appeal to me nearly as much as the Chief. It's still good stuff. In particular, the ending is a brilliant way of weaving gameplay with story, having your character fight until they literally die and end the game. The single player really is stellar. Great selection of weapons, great set pieces, and the feeling of fighting a battle you know you have to lose hangs over the thing. I especially like the weapon they kind of rip from Gears of War, the artillery bombardment thing. I wasn't a huge fan of the multiplayer, but then I didn't put that much time into it, so maybe if I played it longer, I would have got more into it. Overall, a great game for Bungie to leave the franchise on. Thanks, Chase. Here comes Fieldy. Reach was also my favourite game in the series. For me, the story was told in a way that was so emotionally charged and in some places gritty that it won me over instantly. That and knowing that in Halo lore the fall of Reach is a key event, I was really invested. Another day one purchase for me, I picked up the legendary edition from my local game station at midnight. This entry in the series feels like the culmination of a decade's worth of work from Bungie and it really shows. Everything about this title was perfect for me. The story and setting were excellent with Reach's wide open areas juxtaposed with enclosed urban areas making for some interesting encounters with the Covenant, which Bungie somehow managed to make feel like new but also familiar. I think having to fight the elites again added to this after their absence from the end of Halo 2 up until this. The feel of the game was also right on the money for me. The shooting mechanics felt tight and accurate. Reach also introduced my favourite in-game weapon of all time with the DMR, which was something that was promised since Halo 2's E3 demo, but ultimately turned into the burst fire battle rifle. 
The single-shot marksman rifle was perfect for Halo, right down to the amount of bullets in a magazine. Enough to take down an elite shield with one or two shots left for the finishing headshot, but then you would have to reload. I was apprehensive when I heard that this was to be Bungie's last Halo game, but after playing Reach, I really didn't mind where they took this series. This was the pinnacle for me, and Bungie really did go out with a bang. Another favourite Halo there for Reach from Fieldy. Now, finally, we have this email, um, and there's a bit to it that we can't show you, but uh, we can look at it and describe it. Or <laughs> Anyway, this is from James Lee via email. He emailed podcast at canarince.com. You can do the same if you have anything to say about our upcoming subject matters. So James says, throughout my entire adult life, I've been something of a, spar a sporadic gamer. Life in general always seems to get in the way of me really dedicating a lot of time to the pastime. I was a pretty dedicated PlayStation fan during the PS1 era and did buy a PS2 a few years after launch, though it would be fair to say that my heart wasn't really in it at that point. As such, the entire Xbox phenomenon pretty much completely passed me by and along with it, the console's crowning glory, Halo. In about 2008, I started working in a branch of a popular nationwide secondhand video games retailer and as such found myself being unable to avoid the pull of being reintroduced to the world of gaming. One day in very early 2010, I was offered the opportunity to pick up a ridiculously cheap original Xbox and as a friend had recently introduced me to the Red vs Blue Online series, which I tremendously enjoyed, I figured that the smartest choice of first game to pick up was the original Halo Combat Evolved. I'd never been much of a fan of FPS games before. However, after fighting through those initial dingy spaceship corridors of the Pillar of Autumn, escaping the crashing ship and then taking those first steps out into this beautiful, mysterious alien world, I was instantly sold. And it only took me the best part of a decade longer than the rest of the world. I quickly devoured the rest of the game and upon completion made the decision that I'd scrape together some cash and pick up a 360. After doing so, I burned my way through Halo 2, 3 and ODST, as well as reading all of the then available Expanded Universe novels. By the time I'd done all this, it was only a few months until the launch of Halo Reach and though my relationship with the series was still young, I was stupidly excited for my first opportunity to play a new Halo game at the same time as everyone else. The day came and I had a friend who was working at HMV at the time pick me up a copy of the collector's edition at his store's midnight launch. I would later upgrade to the legendary edition for the beautiful statue that came with it. I woke the next morning to find it sat outside my bedroom door and after eight agonising hours at work came home and launched into the campaign. I played the whole thing through in two sittings and was in love from the second my personal take on Noble Six stepped foot off the Warthog until my final stand against insurmountable legions of Covenant forces. Though I relished playing as Master Chief in the main game so far, I'd really enjoyed the team dynamic present in ODST and loved how that was expanded upon in Reach as you engage in battle alongside an entire squad of Spartans. Though you only ever actually play as Six, I felt real loss as each team member of Noble one by one met their maker. The game's conclusion was always known, so the fact that you eventually lose wasn't a shock, however the journey there was one full of surprises, and still ranks with me as probably the best in-game story in the Halo universe. Narrative aside, Reach absolutely has some of the finest gameplay of the entire series. New weapons like the DMR felt incredibly powerful without being cheap, and the introduction of Spartan abilities, whilst taking a little getting used to, provided some awesome moments of gameplay. I challenge anyone who's managed to drop into armor lock just as a ghost comes speeding at them and caused its instant fiery destruction to say this wasn't a great addition. 
Reach also contains my single favourite mission from any game in the series, Long Night of Solace. From the opening storming of the beach, echoing the original game's silent cartographer level, to the discovery of a sabre base and your subsequent blast-off out of Reach's atmosphere for an exhilarating series of space battles to the heartbreaking conclusion of George's ultimately futile self-sacrifice, it's everything wonderful about Halo condensed into a single hour. I've not even gone into the incredibly fun firefight mode, something that was sadly missed in Halo 4, though 5's new Warzone mode looks to be a best of both worlds mix of regular PvP and firefight, or the generally spectacular multiplayer. Short, more than any other game in a series, Reach had a pretty weak selection of maps upon release, but I dare say I had more fun in that game's online component than any other in the series. I'll simply close by saying that not only was Reach Bungie's last hurrah and its crowning achievement in this series, that not only made their careers, but it was the game that really solidified my reignited love for video games. As a final bonus note, about two weeks after Reach's release, I headed down to my local tattoo parlour and had the Noble Team insignia permanently etched onto my wrist. That's how much this game meant to me. And he did. And there's a photo to prove it. Or, well, it could be the photo of somebody else's wrist. I don't know. But uh, it could be drawn on with a felt tip. But, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's the sort of level of video games passion we love. Whether we're into tattoos or not, you can't deny that level of, of commitment, really. So uh, thanks for the email, James. And, um, yeah, any anyone else have similar stories of their devotion to a game that we're going to cover, then that's always fantastic. Uh, you know, I'm reminded of the time we had... Uh, we had Dan Benden from Ready Up on the Bastion show who uh, had the uh, had the tattoo from that game. Now, three word reviews at uh, Kana Rince. We are on Twitter. Continue to uh, follow us, please. Josh. So Glenn Watts says retroactive continuity. Ahoy. Stuart Cullen said where it began. Jerome McIntosh says somber yet sensational. Mike Dixon. A jetpack. Alan Carlyle says, designated marksman rifle. Eric Jones. Yes. No flood. Coffee Jesus, our friend, says, breathtaking storytelling masterpiece. Jet Burton, a noble sacrifice. And Catatonic Nali says, Bungie's phenomenal swan song. Terrific stuff. Thanks, everybody. Now, let us summarise our feelings regarding Halo Reach. This is our penultimate Halo podcast, at least for now. And it's obviously it's the last of the Bungie games. So, Josh, what did you make of Reach? And would you recommend that people seek it out now? Um, if somebody asked me um, if I had to play one Halo game, which one should it be? I, I would say Halo Reach, uh, simply because I think this really acts as... Uh, Bungie's best of album for the series. It just has everything that has made the series great up until this point in one game. And it really focuses on the series' strengths and, and the things that I really love about the series. Then you combine that with a much more mature take on the narrative um, and a real attempt to have a thematic through line um, and, and trying to create some meaning from the, the conflict that's going on around you. Now, I'm not 
it's it's not the strongest example of this. I think The Last of Us and The Walking Dead really uh, do you know loss and 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 all of that stuff uh, a lot. Uh, for my money, are a lot stronger in that regard. But having that that attempt to be more sophisticated in storytelling, combined with the classic kind of puzzle nature of the gameplay, and and just the fact that every level is really well crafted, and the art direction is uh, fantastic, and the music is the be- for my money is the best it's been in the series so far. Um, yeah, I just, for me, if you only have to play one, if you only have time to play one Halo game, play this one. I I think it's, it's, it's by far my favorite. Thanks, Josh. Tony. Uh, if you only have to play one Halo game, (laughs) um, for me, it should be Halo Combat Evolved. Um, this is what that (laughs) conversation is about though. Uh, I, I, I pretty much echo everything that that Josh says, I this is the most mature of the Halo um, games, certainly in story-wise, and I think it's a big benefit to it uh, because of that. I also think um, visually, it's the most um, arrested of the Halo games. It's it's really even now, and even I say aging hardware of the 360 sounds ridiculous, but you know, comparity to how the Master Chief Collection has, has shaped up and respected the games previously, it's still a phenomenal title to to look at and to play. Um, Interestingly, I think they do such a good job of changing the tone and even the gameplay around making it more of a a grown-up man's Halo that I can't help but feel for me personally that they lose a little bit of the awe and splendor of what Halo had been in previous past. So I've mentioned before, I think I prefer the slightly more over-the-top action scenes which Halo has become accustomed to, um, the slightly more comical uh, nature of um, the enemies in Halo, and a slightly more fun player feedback because of that. Um, now, once again, personal preference is a big thing, um, and I think if I had to recommend one game, I'd still be saying I feel like Halo Combat Evolved was one of those games that just knocked it out of the park from the very first game, and I think it's the greatest example of gameplay but if you're after a game that combines many of the aspects that have made Halo great, but also a mature take on that story, then I think that if you haven't done so, and I know quite a few people that have played through all the main stages of the game and have not uh, played Reach, um, John being one of the people that we were playing through all the main games, this is his first experience of Reach because he's, you know, yeah, just haven't got round to it. And then being floored by how much it actually hooks into because you know they have context right so they can set the story up of halo and who is you know the master chief and who is Cortana, etc um which they've previously done and just basically the law on the internet and books that i think you know yes you should definitely still play halo reach but it's you know it's personal preference of where it would sit within i think each person person's uh, top 10 list of halo games not that there's been that many but you know what i mean getting that way if you include wars and that downloadable one for xbox one spawn assault and yeah yeah. (laughs) another one as well um yeah i i think that there is no there was absolutely no way that halo reach could have possibly had the impact on me that the the original combat evolved did in 2002 when i bought an xbox original to play it um 
and and it absolutely didn't and i don't you know since then i'd gone through halo 2 which i enjoyed but didn't blow me away halo 3 i enjoyed a bit more but still didn't quite blow me away odst same story really um so in a way this one almost took me by surprise because as as somebody who's outside of the 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 halo sort of fan uh, I didn't really know what to expect from it. I didn't know, as I say, whether it was going to be another, a lesser game somehow or, or something different. And as it turned out, I think it's difficult now because it's sort of weighing up in terms of recommendations, as I've said on, on this series of podcasts, obviously I recommend the Master Chief Collection because it's, like, it's a no-brainer. It's mm-hmm. got Combat Evolved on it and loads of other stuff and you can get ODST for a few quid. And it's all in 1080 and 60 frames and, and all that sort of thing. So in a way, it's um, it's slightly harder to recommend Reach. But if I took those, you know, niceties out of the equation and the fact that, you know, some people, as soon as a new generation of consoles come out, you know, basically unplug or sell all their old previous gen machines, the nutters, um, they, it's, hard, it's, a, it's, a harder, it's a harder shout. But anyone who has still got a 360, like a sane gamer, um, should have recently, especially if you've also got a one, you've almost certainly got a gold account. You were recently given Halo Reach. If you wanted it, all you had to do was turn your machine on and press download, and and then they gave it to you. And for me, it is the game that I'd recommend people to play now, as with Josh. Um, I just think it, it it is so incredibly honed and polished. And I think while I agree with Tony, it does in some ways miss some of its some of the sort of um, the levity of of the other Halo games. I don't think it particularly misses Master Chief and Cortana um, because it it offers something else instead. Uh, uh, this this group of characters who, as I say, for me are are not greats of video games writing, and and the story isn't one of those either. But it's 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 all right. It's decent. It's less it's less goofy than and halo and and it's engaging enough but for me it's all about the way that they they got they they take taken everything they learned from all the level design weapon design vehicle design of balancing and all that from the previous uh, almost decade of well probably longer than a decade of making halo games and uh and made a game that really for me had kind of no bumps no wrinkles apart from a couple of difficulty spikes but it's the one i played through on legendary and completed and uh yeah that's that's as high a recommendation as i can give really let's conclude with uh carl okay just to follow on let, let let's get it out of the way it's not the revolution that halo combat evolved was of course it isn't but what what good is revolution if you don't take that and then evolve on it and that's what reach did upon the entirety of the halo franchise it looked at it looked at the four prior games. What was good about each one? What what did people like about that level? What didn't they like? This enemy, this weapon, and it feels that that structure is the core outline that formed the development of Halo Reach. Outside of the single player, which is absolutely stellar, I think it is the greatest balance that we have seen between a very tough, the hardest difficulty. And not being unfair. At no moment does Halo Reach on the hardest difficulty ever feel unfair. You feel against the odds, but you have deaths where unfair things can happen, such as a chain reaction of grenades and then you get hit in the face by a crate, but that's a Halo thing. That's that's not an intentionally scripted. That That's the free-flowing design that, that embodies that as a franchise. And ultimately, you look on those moments and laugh because they are quite comical. Um 
if you have the knowledge of how an enemy should be fought, how it should be defeated, the order to beat them in the the, you know, the, the, what weapon order to use stuff in, you use that knowledge. Knowledge will always win out, um, and for that, the, the the challenge is incredibly rewarding. It has a forge mode, which we saw in Halo Three. It was much expanded on. They put Forge World in, and allowed a massive. Uh, development of features on it such as race modes and rally modes um two of my favorite modes in the multiplayer in 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 race mode it's exactly what it seems it's um you 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 race around a course first place wins then you've got rally mode where you race with a co-pilot on mongooses um and the person on the back has a rocket launcher which he can aim at his aim at the uh, opponents um where they go barrel rolling out the screen i have never laughed in a multiplayer uh, mode as much as I have in that consistently. I mean, we're talking tears in eyes, belly hurting, struggling to breathe, laughing at some of the things that happen on those maps. Um, and in doing so, using those race and rally modes in the forge mode allowed people to be phenomenally creative with some of the games um, that we've played. I remember playing Halo Reach a few years ago. Um, I know Josh was a part of it, and I believe Tony was, and we were playing maps where you would have a vertical ramp of falling vehicles coming tumbling towards you and you'd be trying to climb to the top without being killed and it's it's nearly impossible to pick a path but you you know you quickly decide and left or right and it is hilarious when it wipes someone out you know whether it's a mongoose or a, a ghost uh, a revenant and it, it's that level of creativity that developers don't necessarily always have a good developer will always acknowledge that if they put the tools out there someone will always create something unique to the experience of that game and that's what Bungie did they 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 gave a wide range of tools and people became creative and uh, entertaining in ways that we would never imagine uh, you had you had these high race tracks that are akin to something out of Mario Kart that are high above the sea and you you weaving in and out of these high bends and nudging people off the track that, that, that. When you think of Halo, you don't think that, but it was an option. And not only was it an option, it played brilliantly in multiplayer. Um, all because Forge, uh, all because Forge Mode allowed people to do that. I mentioned in the Halo 2 podcast that I always felt like I missed that wave. Um, and people look back on it so fondly and would talk about it and played it until the very end when the original Xbox servers were turned down. And, and part of me always thought, you know, why would you do that? There's so many other games. There's great other multiplayer games. Halo 3, I never quite got on uh, with the multiplayer from the start. I liked it on and off, but I never really fell in love with it. Something with Reach clicked, and all the crazy time that people put into the original Halo games, and when they reference the Halo 2 multiplayer, I, I get it. I, that, that's my Halo Reach. If you want to go in and play Halo Reach, all these modes are still active now. And as Leon said, you should have Halo Reach through gold membership. If you don't, I've seen it for mere pounds in the shops. The multiplayer is still active. The challenges are still going. You will not have that wide range of people, but you won't struggle to get a game. Uh, for me, it's the culmination of a, of a great franchise by a gr then great developer. Um, all their top talents like Joe Staten and, and Bonnie Ross all came together and created a wonderful prod, uh, project uh, in Halo Reach. Thanks, Carl. And yeah, that is Halo Reach. Right, uh, just one Halo to go, as I mentioned. 
so as ever thanks everybody uh, for listening and it just remains for me Leon to thank Josh, Carl and Tony of course for taking part and tell you all that next time in issue 194 it's the little red rectangle I wanted to call him a triangle that's a completely different game who could? Thomas was alone